Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day day by day by day oh dear lord three things we pray to love thee more dearly to see thee more clearly to follow thee more nearly day by day by day amen amen oh greg that was lovely thank you greg that was interesting too <laughs> we can just say it prayer is is confusing it's scary it's intimidating um but Charles Spurgeon said it this way, said the Christian should work as if all depended on him and pray as if it all depended on God. Martin Luther said it this way, I have so much to do today that I shall never get through it with less than three hours prayer. And I believe it was the great modern day psalmist Bon Jovi who said, whoa. We are halfway there. Whoa. Living on a prayer. Um, there are a lot of smarter people than I that have written detailed works on prayer. Many books, devotionals, podcasts, conferences, completely and totally dedicated to praying. And most Christians, including me, if you were to sit around and say, what do you desire to get better at in your walk with the Lord? Not that he's saying get better at things, but what would you desire to get better at? Prayer, nine times out of ten, is on the top of that list. Yet why don't we pray? I'm going to answer for me, but my guess is as I answer for me, you will probably go, yeah, me too, because really there's nothing new under the sun. There are no new excuses. We've all got them. And for me, when I look at it at the end of the day, if I'm completely honest with myself, I don't pray because, number one, I don't understand what prayer really is. And number two, I'm prideful. At the end of the day, when I look at my lack of prayer or lack of prayer all the time or my need to grow in prayer, I'm understanding, number one, that I don't really know what prayer is. And number two, my pride just keeps rearing its ugly head. Because when I understand what prayer really is, it goes to war against my pride. When my pride is being slashed to bits by the power and presence of God, I want to ask for more. I want to ask for the bigger things. I don't want to be content with what I can do. I want to be content with what God can do. And that's what I want to beg Him for. But it only happens when I'm praying because He is going to work on my pride. Pride says I can do this Christian walk without Him. 
Pride says that I can move and live and breathe and follow the rules of Christianity without Jesus. Humility says I absolutely need your help. And prayer is admitting to our desperate need for help. For us to get prayer, you and I have to understand just how relational God is. Uh, a couple weeks ago in our gel group, one of, uh, one of the guys that's in our group was mentioning as he was reading through Exodus, uh, I, like probably many of you, are doing that read through the Bible in a year, and he was mentioning his noticing of all the gold layering things. Now, if you read through Exodus, it's an incredible book of God's rescue, and then there's this description of the place that God is saying, I need you to set it up in this way. And there's gold covering everything. Everything covered in gold. All of these things. It is an elaborate, repetitive book. But then God gets to the point of all the elaborate, ornate spaces in this tent. And it's in Exodus chapter 29, verse 43. I will meet the people of Israel there. In that place made holy by my glorious presence. Yes, I will consecrate the tabernacle and the altar, and I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God. And they will know that I am the Lord their God, and I am the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live among them. I am the Lord their God. The point of all of this elaborate planning, all of these elaborate steps, all of these skilled craftsmen putting all of their abilities into creating this place was so that the Lord could meet his people. Is that what you see prayer as? Or is it time to bring out the list? I get the list. I know the list. I love the list. But has he done all of this, all of this, to meet with his people? You see, prayer is not our idea. It actually started with God. Someone had to speak first in this relationship, and it was him. Prayer is not us starting a conversation with God. It is responding to his invitation to come close. He started the conversation. We respond with either a yes, we will come, or no, we won't. Prayer is an open reminder of the grace of God. He's the one who spoke first, and his people have the glad joy of responding to his voice. Our text this morning is found in Psalms, which here's a, just a, a general note. If you find yourself not being able to know what to pray, open to the book of Psalms and just start praying the Psalms. You have 150 days worth of prayers right there if that's what you need. Start reading them and praying them out loud. Maybe you pray them all through the day. Maybe you pray the first Psalm all through the day and just say, Lord, it's your word. I'm just going to say it back to you because I have no clue what to say. And you will be surprised that he will meet you and he will stir your heart for the things you are to pray. Psalm 27 says this, Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. 
My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. My heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Prayer is not us initiating conversation with God. It is responding to his invitation to a conversation. Prayer is a total gift and reminder of God's grace. Prayer is not an, a, a, an avenue that we earn something through, that we kind of, we, we want to go, God, we're twisting your arm. Prayer is a constant access point for us to be reminded that he loved us first. When we speak to him, when we ask of him, when we call on him, there's no other way to approach him than accept through the blood of Christ. So when I engage in prayer, I'm saying, Jesus, I trust the blood that you poured out for me because it's the only way I can come to my Father. Prayer is a response and a reminder of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. In the church world, there are highways in which God pours out this grace. And in, in the old church language, and even church language today, they're called the means of grace. The way we access these reminders, and we find that in God's word. If we're not in God's word, please, you will not know of the grace of God on your behalf. If you're void of time in the scriptures because you're like, well, I just don't like it, or I don't want to read it, or I'm too busy, you are void of these opportunities for Jesus to meet you through his word. A means of grace, where we see all that he's done, where he speaks to us. Prayer, a means of grace, when we know we have his ear. We have access to creator God and his ear through prayer. We experience the benefit of this grace by being able to come to him and speak. The other means of grace is you guys. It's the body of Christ. I need to see grace and know grace and extend grace and experience grace Firsthand, one of, my, one of my mentors in life has said, everybody needs somebody with a body. That's the truth. You and I get to experience grace, receive grace, extend grace, practically on a relational level in the church. All of these are the highways and byways that God is able to pour out and remind his people of all that he has done. We know that we can pray because God invites us to, and we know that we can pray because Jesus tore the veil from top to bottom. And there are those who would suggest that this veil tearing wasn't about God being let out onto the planet, but it actually lets us in. We approach him now, not because of our works, but because of what Christ has done. In Hebrews chapter 4, it's spoken this way. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Prayer is not earning more of God's grace. Prayer is an effort that we engage in because we understand and have received God's grace. It's the fountain of living water, and I'm, I'm hoping you have found that when you go to that fountain and you go back to work or go back to life, 
you get thirsty again. It was supposed to happen that way. So you go back to the fountain, and you know where to be filled. And then you go, and then you go back. It's not like it happens. I'm filled, now I'm good. I'm going to be running around doing whatever, I'm doing whatever. No. It only creates a greater thirst. And the people who have tasted and seen that the Lord truly is good. And Jesus is the evidence of that goodness. Our efforts where we spend our time in seeking God are a direct response to God's initiation. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. My heart has responded, Lord, I'm coming. The Creator has spoken to His creation, and those who are His say, I am Jesus explained why private prayer matters among his people in his extended sermon in Matthew chapter 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Tim Keller said it this way, The infallible test of spiritual integrity, Jesus says, is your private prayer life. Many people will pray when they are required by cultural or social expectations, or perhaps by the anxiety caused by troubling circumstances. Those with genuinely lived relationship with God as Father, however, will inwardly want to pray, and therefore will pray, even though nothing on the outside is pressing them to do so. They pursue it even during times of spiritual dryness, when there is no social or experimental payoff. Our prayer life, our secret prayer life, speaks to whether he is truly our treasure or not. Our secret prayer life, our private prayer life, points to truly what is our treasure. The confusion, the fog clears up when we look at and consider the time we spend praying on our own. Jesus practiced private prayer often, not because he had sin struggles or shortcomings or doubts about who he was, but simply because he wanted time with his Father. Matthew 14, after sending them home, he went up into the hills to pray by himself. Night fell while he was there alone. Mark chapter 1 records, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And in Luke chapter 5, but Jesus often, that word often, withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. A regular time of seeking God matters not because of the answers we seek, but because of the one we are seeking. What we see about prayer is not just the answers we want. For those of you that have a prayer life, you have learned that over time in seeking Him, your heart actually changes. The things you ask for change. What you used to worry about doesn't seem to worry you as much. That's because He has access to this little worry wart right here. And He's able to speak to it. 
And he is the one who's able to slash anxiety and worry and doubt and fear because we know he spoke first. And he has said, come close. There are two things that go on when we pray. First of all, God answers. I don't know if you know this, but he answers all prayers. God absolutely, 100% answers all prayers. He says yes sometimes for his glory and our good. He says no sometimes for, our glo- for his glory and our good. And sometimes he says later for his glory and our good. A good father does not say yes to every request he is asked of. When my children come to me and say, Daddy, we want to play with firecrackers and handguns. Oh, I love you guys so much. Yes. No. God answers all prayers. This is very good for you and I. To his glory and for our good, he answers all prayers. Yes, no, or later. Because he's good. And he invites us to ask. But as I said before, those of you that have a regular prayer life with the Lord, you ever noticed how your heart changes? You ever noticed how the things you ask for start to change? You ever noticed how there are things that you once thought so important and so must have, but something is shifting? That is because he changes our desires as we meet with him. Oh, you're sneaky, God. I see what you're doing. You're making me more into your image. Ah. It's what he does when we meet with him. That is the beautiful invitation of life. We know God's purpose. He has destined us as his bride to reflect his son. That is a beautiful invitation. And we can know that in all things, that is what he is doing. He is forming for himself a people who will reflect his son. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. My heart responds. I'm on my way. We hear a tender, loving, wise counsel from God that says, come and meet with me. The invitation in the psalmist's words is a wide net. If I were, we are in the South, so I can say it this way. Come and talk with me is spoken as if to say, y'all, come and talk with me. If we were in the North, youns, come and talk with me. You guys, come and talk with me. It is a wide net invitation. But then the answer turns personal. I my heart has heard you say, and I'm on my way. Lord, I don't know what the rest of the world is going to do, but the fact that I know that the creator of everything has suggested, come and meet with me because you need to meet with me. I don't care what they're all going to do. I'm coming. It's a personal response. How have you heard Come and talk with me. Have you responded? I'm on my way. I am on my way. Now, I know there's the uh, good, great, 
God wants us to show up, Jason, but what do we do? Um, I think um, maybe some of you have some fears about what to say when you pray, uh, just like this guy does. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you need you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right? Then they explained to me, right? Your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I don't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to, what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, Dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, But seek. S is in search. E is in everywhere. E is in excellent. K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now, it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not going to let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosing moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, rec as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I could fly a man. What do you say? What do you do? How do you engage? How do you pray? How do you ask? What do you do? And honestly, I can just tell you this from experience. If I fail to plan to pray, I won't. I won't. I get, you know, when I'm in my car, when I'm out, but there are moments for those things to happen. And I do believe in sporadic prayer. I do believe that as we're walking and as we do, but there is something about that time where you go to meet with the Lord. I recommend it. You do the same with your friends. You pick a place. You pick, you pick a time. And as the Lord has said, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm on my way. I'll be there at 6 a.m. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, It is a good rule never to look into the face of man in the morning until you have looked into the face of God. For those of you who wake up at 7 and you have three hours of Facebook posting to do, maybe you should pay, pray for three hours before you get on Facebook. If you're going to talk about the things and thoughts and issues that you're walking through, are you praying about them? One of the greatest invitations and challenges I ever heard was, if you're talking about it, are you praying about it? If you talk more about it than you pray about it, you might have a problem. 
I do believe that the 6 a.m. prayer, the 7 a.m. prayer, the 8 a.m. prayer, whatever you have to do to set aside that time in the morning matters. Now, maybe it's in the evening for you. I don't know. But I've heard the prayer, and I'm sure you guys have heard the prayer. You know, Lord, today was such a good day. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't yelled at anyone. I haven't cursed at anyone. I haven't thought bad thoughts of anyone. I haven't had any bad thoughts of my own, but I'm about to get out of bed, and I'm really going to need your help. part of it. If our eyes open tomorrow, we are dependent on Him. And so we ask. But secondly, I want to encourage you just practically to start with Scripture. I know that George Mueller, if you need a faith injection, you can go look him up, read some of his books, some of his works um, on just his prayer life. And he will tell you that the first 10 years of his life that he was in in following Christ, he would just try and jump into prayer. And he found himself disorganized, not able to think, not able to focus, not able to be able to get anywhere. And he said, it wasn't until I started reading scripture first and allowing the scripture to direct my prayers, I began to feel like I knew where I was going. And I want to encourage you to use scripture as a springboard because we see in the scripture several different areas in which we pray, in which we connect, in which we relate to God. And and the first would be we see adoration. We see a lot of prayers about how big God is, how merciful He is, how awesome He is. See, we like to jump right into the asking, don't we? Oh yeah, God, I need this. Oh yeah, God, I need this. Maybe we should start with telling Him, hey, I'm glad you're gigantic and you created everything, and that you've invited me to come. We also see people confessing. See, this is the one that I think is the trickiest, because we don't actually want to tell God all that's in our hearts, but he already knows. Okay. Maybe some of you just need to start by spilling out every evil desire you have in your heart. Maybe you need to say every evil thing that you are thinking about other people, about God, about his word. Maybe you need to spill it out and just go, God, I don't really trust your word right now. God, I have desires and plans and I want to make a lot of money and I want to be rich and I want to have the perfect family and I want to have the perfect this, I want to have the perfect that. Just pour it all out. Confess. Confess that he's not your treasure. Confess that he's on the back burner in your life. Confess all those things. He knows. But he has access to your heart. And the beauty of confession is we are met with the grace of God and he is faithful and just to forgive all of our unrighteousness. You see, but confession then leads us to going, thank you, God. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for everything that, I've, that, you've, that you've poured out on me. Thank you that I, that I have a church that, that I can be a part of. Thank you for friendships that are deeper than just talking sports and weather. Thank you for these. Thank you, thank you. And it just goes on and on and on. And those are all scriptural prayers. And then if you get around to it, you start asking. You can spend a lot of time in confessing how big he is, confessing your heart's desires that are not in line with his, and being thankful and be like, I just spent an hour doing that. Next time I'll start asking for things. You know, in good, good church terms, this would be the ACTS method. A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You know, it's not a man-made way of praying. It's just a little way to connect the dots. 
all of these are scripturally founded, that these are the ways we can engage and we get to come to God because of what Christ has done. Um, a couple other practicals I wanted to make you aware of. Uh, Grammy Doris, who sits over here, uh, continues to be a, a champion for prayer among our people. There are those of you that have been invited to, and maybe you want to, but be a part of walking through all of these chairs on a Sunday morning, praying for those of you who will sit in those chairs. You have been covered. You have been asked and pleaded for and begged for by some people who say, we know God's the one that changes hearts. And if you'd like to be a part of that, I'm sure you can have conversations with her. And if you'd like to walk and pray and be that, that's your responsibility on Sunday mornings, go for it. But there are a couple of ways that we're asking you as the church to consider praying. And the first one, all of these little things right here, you can pick up on the back table on the way out. The first one is a prayer alert, ultimately just asking what was asked in that video. That as you drive around and you put your feet out of the car, you just say, look, Jesus, we want this place to be yours. I want my friends to know of your grace. I want my friends to know of your mercy. I want my friends to know all that you have done. Would you speak clearly through my life, my words? Would you do the work and stir the hearts of people to come home? This is the, the this, you can hang it in your car. Uh, you can hang it on a door. You can hang it wherever you want. But it's just a simple reminder. And we really do hope that your children will hold you accountable to it because they love to. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to pray when we got out of the car, Dad. Oh, you're right. I forgot. They're great prayer alarms. You can use this. Um, there are some prayer challenges from Scripture that we'll talk about in just a second um, that are just, if you don't know what to pray, these are prayers found in the New Testament that Paul prayed. Uh, there's another one that tells the story of a prayer meeting that was over 100 years in length. Uh, that is an encouraging journey for those of you that are like, I don't even know where to start. Uh, these are great tools. Uh, and then lastly, this is just the, the, the reasons to pray for this prayer challenge. And I want to encourage you, grab this, take it, read it, uh, put it in your Bible, um, take them. Uh, Grammy's opinion of the phone is, it's great, but you can't tape it to your windshield. You can't tape it to your mirror. You can't tape it around the room. So take a physical reminder to pray. Um, you're, you're welcome. Uh -huh. uh, we are invited to ask, but in your asking, are you willing to let God change your heart? When you come to him, are you willing to let him change the way you think about everything? Because he will. You know, Paul prayed prayers in Ephesians chapter 1. I have not stopped thanking God for you. When was the last time you considered not stopping thanking God for the people that you walk with in your church? When was the last time you made a list of the names of people that you were thankful for in your church? Paul's saying, I haven't stopped thanking God for you. He continues, I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom. How many of you need that? And insight, so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, so that you can understand. Anybody need to understand? The confident hope that he has given those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. If you don't know what to pray, you can pray that. You can pray that for me all day long. You can pray that for your, your friends. You can pray that for your family. You can pray that for your spouse. You can pray that for your children. If you don't know what to pray or ask, 
Look to his word. Ephesians 3, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. How many of you need that? You do? Through his spirit, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. How many of you are tired of feeling like tumbleweed and you're like, I just want my roots to get deep? Maybe you should ask somebody to pray these prayers for you. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. How many of you don't understand that fully? I don't. And I would love, love, love for people to pray that, that I would understand those things. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. How many of you feel like you're, you're lacking and you don't know that you have been made complete in Christ? How many of you, nine out of your ten battles, is trying to find being made whole somewhere else, and you would love for that to die so that you can know how whole and complete you are in Christ? I need that. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, you can pray um, all of these things. Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 11. See, the beauty of prayer is that the more we pray, even when we think it's simple and insignificant, is that God has access to our hearts. He can shape our hearts and minds. And the end result is a people looking like Him. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. My heart responds, I'm on the way. So we close this morning in worship. Should you pray in private? Yes. Should you pray with... And for others? Yes. Should you pray when you are driving? Yes. Should you pray when you are totally focused on prayer? When you're not totally focused on prayer? Yes. Just be praying. You know, 1 Thessalonians, never stop praying. Romans 12, be patient in trouble, keep on praying. Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and thankful heart. Ephesians 6, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. He didn't give us any reasons, any, any wiggle room to just go, I don't think this is worth praying about. All times, all places. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. For the believer, we're not praying to twist God's arm. We, we're not praying to get God to do what we want Him to do because He's God. He can do what He wants to do. What we're doing when we pray is we get Him. We get Him. Yes, we pray because He's powerful. Yes, we pray because He's merciful. Yes, we pray because He's almighty. Yes, we pray because He knows everything. Yes, we pray all of these reasons. But do we know that He loves us and that's why we get to pray? And if you're not praying this morning because you feel like you're not worthy of praying, which I will tell you that in years and years of meeting with people and talking about their struggle with prayer, this is one of the main reasons people do not pray. And I don't know if that's you in this room, but I'd like to tell you, you're not. We're not worthy. None of us are worthy to come before God. But you know who is? Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? He said, come. 
See, this changes how and why we pray. If I'm saying, God, I don't feel worthy, I don't feel good, you know where I've been, start with confession. Maybe you need to just go, God, I'm confessing to you right now that, man, there has been just so much in my heart and my head. You have been on the back burner. God, I am confessing these things to you. And Lord, you have met me with kindness. You are kind and you're merciful and you're good and you you have set me free from the things that are killing me. I just want to say thank you for that. I want to say thank you for making a way home. Thank you for making me uh, this, this invitation known through what Jesus has done. And you know what? Would you do that for my friends? Would you do that for my coworker? Would you do that for my, for my boss? Would you do that for my, my husband, my spouse, my, my children? Would they know of these things? Maybe your prayer strategy needs to be cats instead of acts. Maybe you need to start with confession all the time and just let it be cats. I get it. But I know that we've been invited to pray. Lord, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. My heart responds, I'm on the way. Psalm 116 says this, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. What if we prayed as if it all depended on him? You can work as if it depends on you. But what if you prayed as if Everything depended on him. That's what we're asked to do. So just be praying. Just be praying. This morning, as we do every week, we make people available to to pray for for you guys as you're journeying and as you're walking. And I understand that there are some of you who are like, I'm not moving, I'm not going anywhere. And I get that. But it's always available. There There are... Small group leaders, husbands and wives that have said, we just want to pray. And we want to pray for you. And part of prayer is going to war against our pride. And sometimes that involves including others in our journey. And that's what it's for. I'm not going to preach a message to you. I'm not going to tell you what to do, how to fix whatever it is you're walking through. They're just there to pray. As is with our prayer corner, And as it is in our small groups, and I hope that you're using each other to pray for and pray with. So if that's you this morning as we worship and you're just like, I I do need that. They're available. I'll be standing over here. But we are dependent people. And that's what prayer declares. He spoke first. And we respond. Father, we love you. And I just ask that in these moments that as we sing these songs of declaration, that these would not be the last time we praise your name together this week. Lord, would we learn more of you in your word and see you in your word. May our hearts be stirred to say, God, thank you. 
May we come to you asking boldly, because not be, we're worthy. We're worthy. We're not. We, we, we have been the rebels in this picture. We have been the runners, the people who have said no to you, and Jesus has made us whole. And for that, we, we want to respond to your invitation. It's in your name we pray all these things.